I could while away the hours conversing with the flowers. Oh, excuse me. Hi, I'm Jordan Rich, and this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, the podcast that champions creative conversation. How about a way to discover spiritual freedom by clicking your heels together and getting ready to chart your own course along the yellow brick road, your own version of the yellow brick road. Michael Shevak is a teacher of spirituality and comparative religion, and he's a guy who's actively involved in interreligious dialogue around the world. He's also the author of six books, including the one we're going to be focusing on today, Soul Lessons from the Wizard of Oz, How to Follow Your Yellow Brick Road. It's the movie beloved by millions for obvious reasons, and Michael and I plan on delving into the deeper spiritual meanings that Dorothy and her friends discovered. There are things about life available somewhere over the rainbow, perhaps a bit closer than we ever imagined. So, Michael, I invite you to join me as we go on Mike. So, I don't know about you, Michael, but I love uh, opening my door to full 1939 Technicolor. That's the greatest feeling in the world, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's nothing like Technicolor. You know, it, it doesn't have a reality to it, and that's what makes it even more special. Indeed. So tell me before we talk about the book and all the cool things that are uncovered here, uh, your first viewing experience. Do you remember it or early viewing experiences? Oh, God, when I was when I was a child, the first time I ever saw it, I couldn't didn't even know that there was a color distinction between Oz and Kansas. because I saw it on a 19, you know, 1950s black and white TV. We didn't even have a color set yet. <laughs> but when we, when we got our first GE you know, I think it was a GE or a Motorola or something like that, color TV, you know, the ones where you had to dial the colors, you had to dial the red, red, green, and blue, and you had to, you know, you had to tune it up. I could not believe that, that that door opened and Oz was there. I had never seen it on the widescreen and to see it on a television screen was just, just incredible. For me, it was an RCA RCA brand TV in 63 or 4. Now, I, um, I, I, I mean, uh, it's, it's so interesting today. Kids can watch it anytime they want, as well as 10 million other things. In those days, it sounds like a couple of old fogies here, but in those days, it was assignment viewing, and you couldn't wait for it to come on. It was appointment viewing. And if you missed it, you missed it yeah. till next year. It was theater. It was true theater. I mean, every, there's just such a glut on the market of, of content. And people don't realize the amount of work and the artistry that goes into it anymore. It's just like pumped out. And that, that the, 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 the performance of The Wizard of Oz, it was a yearly memorial to that movie. It was just, you know, we booked it weeks in advance. Now, before we examine all of the really cool stuff that I've often thought about and your book crystallizes it, did you do any research into Frank Baum himself and whether or not he was in, in in very much intent on having people think about these concepts? I mean, what I, you know, I've gone through the annotated Wizard of Oz, but I didn't see anything that indicated that this guy was building layers of symbol structures into it. You know, I didn't see anything that represented the fact that the flying monkeys were really a Hindu and Buddhist god named Hanuman. Mm. You know, there just seems to be there, and sometimes, sometimes people can create, and there, and the, and the, the levels are in the person for some reason. They're kind of born or reincarnated into the person, and it just comes through the creative. 
And I think that's really what happened here. Well, it's certainly uh, food for thought and more than just food. It's it's food to enrich your soul because I get a tingle every time I think of certain scenes and certain events, but your book sort of brings it all together. So let's break down soul lessons from The Wizard of Oz. You, you basically look at almost every um, iconic scene or gesture, and there's something there. Where do we, Where do we start? We start in Kansas, don't we? Start where we are. That was what Glinda said to Dorothy when she, when we, you know, we open up in the scene and you do the, they had the overhead shot of the circular right. yellow brick road. Right. And Dorothy's, well, how do you, how do you get to Oz? You know, and, and Glinda says, well, it's always best to start at the beginning. So you know, she goes into the little centripetal for in a little centrifugal center of it. Right. And then spiral outward. You start at the beginning because from my perspective, it is a book about spiritual awakening and spiritual illumination and the psychological processes that one goes through in expanding your awareness and your consciousness to a new level. So you right. start with Kansas, which is everyday life, humdrum, black and white, gray, flat, everyday life and i with apologies by the way to that great state of kansas i am I'm not at all you know being prejudiced here i'm just using the literature for what it provides and everyone has to start out in life for the basics of being human and you know we have pigsties we have uh that we can fall into we have corrals that pen us in too much mm. we have people we think don't really understand us and appreciate us, or even parents that don't really love us enough. And Dorothy is, is even an orphan. We never even talk about the fact that she's living with her aunt and uncle, you know, and she's been right. dealt one hell of a, a very difficult task in her life. Mm -hmm. But every human person comes from Kansas, which is the basic mortal, everyday mundane experience of human physical life. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual task is to own that, transform it, re-envision it. And as Dorothy discovers at the end of her journey, realize that everything she had ever been looking for, she had already been given, but she was unable to see it. She was too bound by too many conflicting emotions. Mm. And she couldn't see the gift of her everyday life. The emotions. Let's talk about those because fear plays a huge part. And, of course, you've got the three characters she teams up with, her three friends, uh, all of whom have needs, all of whom have emotional needs. We are Dorothy, right? We're, we're walking through this path. And all of the characters and all of the events are things that happen to us, pretty much. Yeah. You know, they all are. You know, we all, Dorothy, the, the, the Greek meaning of the word Dorothy is to be a gift of God. It's like we're all a soul. We're all a gift of God. And what happens is we get trapped in Kansas. So it's only black and white and gray and there's no technical because we live in fear. Mm. And the fear happens very naturally because, you know, as any child knows, as any, as any pediatrician knows, you know, is when the baby is born, the fears are somewhat innate. If you don't support a baby when they come out of the womb, the baby has a built-in reflex to panic. 
okay? Because nature builds in these fears to hold us protected, to keep, to keep our bodies protected. So we have these vital fears that are built in. And when we, then we get fears towards society and fears to other people. And those are not necessarily aligned to our protection. They become neurotic fears. Okay, and we get them very easily because we become dependent on on family, we become dependent on money, we and we get neurotic fear. So we really don't learn how to be part of life. We just live in our own minds and our own little societies and our own little cocoons. And those very neurotic, deep fears that we have, they are our wicked witch. Mm. We all have a little wicked witch on the inside that's cackling yes. and is trying to throw us off balance to steal our ruby slippers from us and imprison us in the haunted forest. And every single person has that. The, the concept of dousing the witch with water, which purifies a lot of things. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the unlikely way to do away with evil, but it works. I mean, there are all kinds of well, imagery here. Well, the water is your classic symbol for forgiveness. Okay, it, for purification, it's the atomic structure. Water is H two O, is is the um, is the atomic number is eighteen, which is the Hebrew's Kabbalistic symbol for life. Life, right? You know? Um, <laughs> um the, everything is packed into this little story, but we all have to face our wicked witch. Indeed, and, and you say everything. You're you're including the four-legged creatures, and and the most important one, of course, is Toto. What do we learn and understand about Toto, as you point out? Well, look, think of all the repression that we go to. You know, we we have so much repression on the inside of us, and there is an animal in us that has that society is trying to constantly civilize, so we don't really experience our true wildness. We're always living in an obsessive compulsive disorder where society is trying to shut down our recklessness because it can be dangerous. And then they over control us. And then when we feel over controlled, like every teenager knows or any parent of every teenager knows, you break away from that excessive control and you become reckless. Then you go as far as you can and then you cause damage and then you get extra control and you're always going backwards and forwards between recklessness and over control and recklessness and over control. And society is really an obsessive compulsive disorder. And what Toto represents is the totem animal of Dorothy, the true spirit in the body, the wild anima spirit, okay, from breath in Latin. Okay, and Toto through the entire story is always barking, always encouraging, always defending, and is absolutely undaunted. You can't put her in Elvira Gulch's bicycle seat. The witch cannot control Toto. Toto always winds up escaping. Nothing frightens Toto. And that's because built into us is the drive and the fierceness that is part of our animal nature, which when it isn't neurotic and it isn't governed by crazy rules and regulations of Kansas society is really a helper. You know, the body doesn't interfere with spirituality. It can be a helper when it's properly aligned. And the alignment of Toto to Dorothy through the whole movie 
is constantly there as an anchor for her mm. on the Yellow Brick Road. Michael, uh, let's take a look at Professor Marvel, a.k.a. the man behind the curtain, because that's one of my favorite chapters, and it's also he's also one of my favorite actors, Frank Morgan, but uh, it's it's the the man behind the curtain. I mean, it's it's we buy into so much, and people are are likely to fall prey to all kinds of gimmicky things, and one of them is this imaginary wizard. What role does he yeah. play in your estimation? Well, you know, many many years ago, I had read a, an article in Psychology Today on 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 psychotherapy. And in psychotherapy, they have this notion that Freud invented called transference, where every single person projects onto their therapist certain primary relationships of parents and stuff. And the therapist is is kind of a mirror for working that kind of stuff out. And that you begin to think the therapist is really going to be the great person who's going to lead you or the or the clergy is the great person that's going to, you know, give you the answers to life. But ultimately... Health comes when you realize that your therapist or your clergy were just ordinary people. They were just ordinary people behind the curtain and that the the veil of what they were performing, their task that they were performing, it had really nothing to do with it. It's that you, your neediness was projected onto that person and made that person feel bigger to you. Mm. And that's best illustrated, best illustrated, isn't it, with uh, the Scarecrow, Lion, and Tin Man searching for heart, mind, and uh, courage, which in a sense they always had, but never tapped into. Yeah, and that's that's the whole, in order to enter the Yellow Brick Road, you have Toto very, very strong, Mm -hmm. all right, constantly egging you on because you have a body in this life that propels you. But you've got to get to the point your mind or the scarecrow, the tin man or your heart, and your will, which is the cowardly lion, that they're all forgiven for their frailties. And they're all integrated and united with you arm in arm on the yellow brick road. You know, we all have, we all, uh, Jordan, we all hate ourselves sometimes for being so stupid and for allowing ourselves to have done this or that. And we don't think we have a brain. And sometimes we, we, we've made the wrong emotional decisions with partners or whomever. Mm. And we fault our heart and, 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 and even accuse ourselves of heartless behavior when in fact we were following the wrong emotion. And many times we, we fault ourselves for getting into trouble because we were just weak and didn't have the power of our, our courage in order to do something different. So on the yellow brick road of life, we have got to take our mind and our heart and our will and we unite them. We, that's what Dorothy is doing, is uniting them so that she's not split into different faculties. You know how we human beings are split into so many faculties, but we don't know how to put the puzzle pieces together. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what the yellow brick road is. You know, I'm going to give you a little secret. Okay. If you ever have a decision to make, don't make it unless your mind and your heart, your scarecrow and your tin man are totally in agreement. Good advice. And, <laughs> and then 
when your scarecrow and your tin man are totally in agreement, okay, and your vital force or your toto is yapping and ready to go, then engage the cowardly lion, then engage your will. You will make the best decisions of your life by learning how these characters operate on the inside of you, okay? And it's that simple. The story just teaches you how to do it. It does. It's profoundly simple and beautiful. Um, The song, which everybody knows, the greatest American song ever written, in my opinion, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, uh, expresses the desire to, to go beyond. And I guess Dorothy is, is that gift, as you call her, has that yearning, has that desire. Um, a lot of people have that desire. They may not think of it as looking over a rainbow, but they think there's something. I, I don't know what it is. I need to grasp and look for something else. That's a positive, isn't it, in this in, environment? Well, you can't very well live without it. And you can't very well live without it. We have a terrible tendency because of, the, of a misuse of our intellect to divide everything into excessive polarities, this or that. This day, red is versus blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, in old times, there were, you know, Jews versus Christians or Muslims versus, you know, Christians and, 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 and you know, there were all these wars that this is gay versus straight and our minds just divide everything into categories. And we have to find a way to transcend and go beyond it. Or we are left split between our Glindas and our, our wicked witches. We don't know which is the good witch. Is it a good witch or is it a bad witch? You know, and every human being must go beyond the rainbow. They must go beyond that in order to put the meaning of life, the meaning of life and its deep spiritual purpose in, 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 in its proper place so we can use. See, there, there, is, there is a world here of great meaning and great depth. And it's there to be used, but unless you knock on the door, it doesn't the door doesn't open and so when you know that song by the way which they were going to cut out of the movie <laughs> yeah, we're going to actually cut it out of the movie is the greatest yearnings of the human heart to find meaning to life in fact the rainbow from a biblical point of view is is, is the symbol of the covenant of peace after after noah and and the ark Okay, now it's now it's LGBTQ. Um, the rainbows are symbols of really the the healing after the trauma of everyday life. Right, where bluebirds fly. Yeah, and and where troubles melt like lemon drops. Mm. You know, in other words, we all have problems, but most of the problems we have are really our own judgments mirrored back to us in life because it's a very creative world we live in and uh, we create our own problems mirrored back to ourselves. And when you begin to operate from an Oz state of consciousness, an Oz state of consciousness, rather than a Kansas state of consciousness, you begin to notice that the troubles end as simply as, as changing your mind Mm. and that you begin to interact with, interact with reality differently and reality is responsive and when you when you remove the problems in your mind, you remove them in their outpicturing, which is our everyday experience. 
The, the one thing that always sticks with me whenever I see it, and I'll see it once, twice, three times a year because I have to, is the sweet relationship between Dorothy and her friends, most particularly the Scarecrow. I choke up every time I think of that scene by the balloon. And I, I, I know that as basic to human need as anything, but to be with the, the right people who are there for us, who care for us, who empathize with us, and we them. Comment, if you will, about the message of love and friendship that this film and this story might supply. The Scarecrow is particularly tender to Dorothy, I believe, because psychologically, Dorothy is faulting herself for the decision process mm -hmm. to have left home in the first place. And she's thinking that she was stupid and her stupidity caused all the problems. So she has a special bond. She doesn't have a doubt that she has some courage because it took a lot of courage to leave the house. She doesn't have any doubt that her heart is there because she knows she loves Auntie Anne. She has a doubt that her mind wasn't functioning. And the beautiful thing about life and the beautiful thing about the Yellow Brick Road is you begin to see that these characters and indeed every single person we meet in life is a mirror of some aspect of yourself which is getting tuned. You know, Jordan, it's kind of like if you take a, a tuning fork and you hit the tuning fork and you put it near a piano, the, the frequency of the tuning fork will make the string on the piano play that is the same frequency as the tuning fork. You don't have to hit the key on the piano. It's a resonance phenomenon. And friendship and these kind of deep friendships they allow us to resonate with a side of ourselves and build a side of ourselves. So we come to know that side of ourselves by having friendships and relationships. Our friendships and our relationships are, they're very special, they're even holy. And the reason there's so many, it causes so many problems is because, you know, they resonate with us and the problems that we have in relationships get increased through friendships. You know, the, the, the purpose is to make us aware of why the relationship is painful. And it's not never the relationship. Right. It's the relationship of yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they, they may be a fuzzball, but you got the Velcro that makes it stick. <laughs> That's a good one. You know I'll, write that, I'll put that one down in my bag of uh, quotes. True. I mean, you know, or you, you, you know, your button was hardwired long before they pushed it. You know, and every single person has to take responsibility for their Velcro and for their button because relationships will push it, but we have the button. So relationships are a guide to ourselves, okay? And, mm -hmm. and if you pay for the relationship with a the therapist, that's okay, but, you know, you can also get all these relationships free. You don't have to pay for it. That's right. Um, no want to go all Joseph Campbell on us here, but uh, there is that quest for, in this case, the broomstick that would prove Dorothy's valor and Dorothy's value. It, it's obviously a symbol, but uh, there is this sense of challenge that we have to accept the challenge and ride through storms to get to where we need to get. Very, sure. un very universal concepts, very traditional concepts. And the broomstick in this situation, it's hard to avoid. It's, 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 the, it's a phallic symbol. Mm. I mean, you have the witch riding it very heartily <laughs> in the sky. It's inserted between her legs. It's a symbol of the power 
of a woman that became repressed, okay, by society and becomes reborn in the witch and the Wiccan. And Dorothy has to take back the broom, meaning she has to own her power. She has to own her male side, okay? And, and, and so that she can conquer her own fears. She can't just be shy and demure, you know, well, die, I am Dorothy the meek, she says in, mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. She has to take back and she has to own the vital power of that witch's broom. We all do, because as, as, as the great Hindu philosopher Sri Aurobindo said, your fire, the very thing that is your hardest thing to accomplish, is the indication of your greatest gift. Very, very well said. A couple of things. Number one, as a film nut, Margaret Hamilton, the actress, went on to become a uh, wonderful lady who adopted a lot of children and (laughs) was the sweetest person on the planet, always known as the Wicked Witch. But it's always interesting how art doesn't necessarily imitate life and the other way around. But I'm just curious, is there any other film that you would even think about exploring in this realm? I mean, there have been a lot of movies, the Swedish films that that we all know and love, The Seventh Seal. Is there any other film that even comes close with with all of the the good stuff to talk about in your estimation? Nothing has the layers of depth and and psychological and spiritual meaning of The Wizard of Oz. However, I, I have been really genuinely educated by Superman comics. I do have to tell you that. You're talking okay? about you're talking one of my favorite subjects here. The even the Siegel yeah, and Schuster I mean, story about how they in, came up with the character is amazing. Yeah, I mean it's and, and it's very clear to me because, you know, even Kryptonian is a is is a, is is Hebrew. Right. I mean you, you know Corel and Jorel, yeah. They're all Yeah, they're I, they're Hebrew. A Kalel could be the the voice of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Yarel could be the, the wrath of God. It's you very clearly have a kind of a Hebrew uh, story of um, perhaps uh, Jesus coming to Earth. You know, with powers and ability far beyond mortal men. So th- that kind of stuff. You know, it's very funny how the human soul kind of is drawn to these things, even though they're not overtly religious, but we can sense the meaning that they have for us and they pull us towards it, even as children. You know, we, there's, there are scripture. There are, there are scripture. I couldn't agree you know? more. I, I, I believe that people are, uh, it, it's, we're hardwired to, to be drawn to that. We're seeking answers or we're seeking inspiration. I, I couldn't agree more. The film works on a million levels. Now it works on 10 million, thanks to your book. <laughs> but it's really, I, I loved it because uh, not only are we talking about philosophical and spiritual issues, but a lot of good movie uh, memories. I mean, you talk about everything from the flying monkeys to the poppies, for crying out loud. I mean, it's, it's sure. when you get older and you realize what poppies are, are really designed to do by evil drug lords, you realize there's a lot going on here. Yeah, but the poppies are there to put her to sleep at the very point that her ego, which is a very dangerous thing on the yellow brick road, because as you get more powerful, you your ego can misuse that power and misdirect it. And so at the very point that she's seeing the Emerald City, She's seeing the, that pure, incredible green that balances the sick, twisted green of the, of the witch. Right. At that very point, she's about to be free. 
that's the point where she is put to sleep, okay? Where she can no longer really realize her spiritual path because she only knows that what she's been searching for is in front of her. And that's the danger of the goal. You can't hold on to it. You can't hold on to the to the goal. Mm. The goal belongs to God. The goal belongs to something bigger than you. You got to keep looking, but not hold on too tight. It's like the monkey who puts his hand in a cage and holds on to a peanut and is stuck because he won't let go of the peanut to get the cage off his hand. And that's where the, one of the danger, that's one of the dangers on the spiritual path is holding on too tight to the peanut. Well, I think the spiritual path is made a lot clearer when you think that it's comprised of yellow bricks and you just start at the beginning. That's a good way to go. <laughs> you, you, you've entertained us with this, but it's also great thought-provoking stuff. I can't thank you enough. It's, it's really true. The yellow bricks, yellow is gold. It's the symbol of, of, of spiritual power, of the male spiritual power of the gold. And it's also the power of the solar plexus which in the Hindu uh, chakra system is, is, um, is, is yellow. It's the sun, you know, very alchemical symbol. Well, Michael, this has been a pleasure. I, I look forward to reading more of your material and, and following your exploits, but it's called Soul Lessons from the Wizard of Oz, How to Follow Your Yellow Brick Road. And uh, may your road be paved with good health and happiness along the way, my friend. Thank you. It's getting better as I learn how to operate the Oz lessons. I, have to tell you. <laughs> I will uh, be your co-pilot moving along. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. I appreciate it so much. Michael Shevak, the book Soul Lessons from the Wizard of Oz, How to Follow Your Yellow Brick Road. Love this book, the perfect companion to the perfect film. Want to say thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, to Kenny Carberry at Chark Productions, and to all of you for not only listening to this podcast, but spreading the word. Those five-star reviews certainly help, and the reach of this podcast is now worldwide, with building numbers every single week. To find out more, visit jordanrich.com. That's my website. You can check out the book On Air, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio, very soon as we record this to be an audio book, and I'll tell you about that when it happens. So until next time, this is Jordan, as always, saying be well so you can do good. Take care.